It's that episode, not that episode, not that episode. It's that episode. It's that episode with Craig Rowan. Welcome to It's That Episode, the podcast where I, Craig Rowan, invite a guest over my apartment. We watch any TV show that they choose. We watch it. We talk about it. We talk about a bunch of other crap. Today I'm very excited. My guest is a performer uh, at the UCB Theater, an improviser extraordinaire, and a writer extraordinaire. She's written on many TV shows, including one of my favorites, uh, Bored to Death, and she's currently writing a pilot for HBO, Home Box Office. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tammy Sager, welcome. Thank you. It's it's nice to be here. It's nice to have you. We're both Brooklynites. Yes, indeed. So I hope that that made the trip easier <laughs> it totally did yeah it was did. that a deciding factor when you're like this is close so we can do this really you did easy. throw in your park slope home yeah. oh did i just give away too much no everybody <laughs> in the audience knows my exact location <laughs> <laughs> but th- i do have to say like that that helped a little as opposed to if you've been like my bushwick home right or if i was like um 181st street yeah absolutely but that or would even, be you know upper east side is just a pain to get to oh <sighs> God, tell me about it. <laughs> right, America? Oh, right, New Yorkers. <laughs> um, I'm so glad you're here. I'm excited um, to watch some TV with you. I'm excited, too. You gave a lot of options, and all of them I was actually really excited about, but some of them, unfortunately, as I told you before, my Hulu account is uh, <laughs> down, and by down I mean that a former employer changed their account <laughs> password, and or actually it's said on the thing, um, like lapsed credit card thing so maybe it's i don't know maybe they're having trouble right now <laughs> maybe their former employees have been stealing from them left and right that's probably what it is uh they went bankrupt because of that but you chose uh a show that i'm excited to watch why don't you say what the show and what episode you want to watch um i chose uh family ties uh, which was a, a very important show to me growing up um it caused a lot of disappointment for me with how my parents were because they were not at at all like Elise and Steven. Right. Um, And this was from early in the show, season two. It's called Not an Affair to Remember. And the mother and father characters, their whole thing is sort of 60s. Flower children. So nice. They were in the Peace Corps. That's right. Um, And so... So lovey-dovey. Lovey-dovey. But then the crux of the show is that their children are sort of the 80s yuppie-ish. Yes. Uh, is personified by uh, Michael J. Fox's Alex P. Keaton. Yeah, and Mallory, I think, was kind of a valley girl. Right, and then uh, the other, Jennifer? Yeah. Not as, I don't they, remember. They don't never know. knew what to do with her. Ugh. I think the... That was the, her tragedy in life. The youngest child in sitcoms sort of, don't they usually get the like the short end of the stick? I think in the very beginning, they get all the great lines. Mm-hmm. Like, that was Rudy. Right, right, because they're cute, <laughs> and it's just like, give them something precocious. Yeah, they're the ones who can do all the zingers. Right. But then once they age out of that, mm. it's a real awkward time. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, like, I remember, this is a little bit later, but in Family Matters, one of the, they just sort of dropped one of the younger. <laughs> they were like, <laughs> they never even mentioned it. They just really? like, yeah. So, like, they're, I don't know. I mean, in this one, I don't think they treated uh, Jennifer that poorly, but. Uh, she had a rough, she had a rough adolescence. And mm. then. The Oliver, I think, came on. The, the youngest yeah. child, which was, I was guess, it the Oliver, end. or is that the Brady Bunch little blonde? Oh, right, yeah. Kid. I don't know. The thing is, with Family Ties, is I watched it in reruns when I was a kid. Uh, Sid Ubu Sit is the reference point from the end of the show, which, yep. which is uh, great. And then, uh, but I never was, I never like, so I didn't see when it was on, so I don't know the characters as well, maybe. As gotcha, gotcha. Um, did you have a particular favorite character in, in the oh, Keaton family? I had a huge crush on Michael. Wow. J. Fox on Alex. I mean, not him as a character, right, right, although right. that energy, but I did walk out of um, Back to the Future just madly in love with him. And what's cool about this is because I've watched, I watched one of these episodes for um, another episode of the podcast, and you just realize like how great of a physical comedian he is it's unbelievable well i I tell you i did get to work um for a couple of months on the michael j fox show i'm intrigued he was a delight i mean it is 
astounding how much of a physical comedian he still is with how much control he has to exert over his body because of the Parkinson's. Right. How much he can still do. Like he, there was a day I think like he had to jump onto the kitchen countertop or like didn't have to, but like did it, like could just do stuff that none of us can do. Yeah. He's, he's great. He's He's like, and it's obvious why he became such a huge superstar. Superstar. Like you don't look back, like some of those movies from the eighties that were big, you look back and you're like the, the the performers like give it they don't give it their all sometimes and so he and he it, his performances last is what I'm trying to say yeah. I love Michael J Fox there there was effort and there is that the I think that's also what I liked about the Alex P Keaton characters mm-hmm. he worked hard like the episode that you did with Jake like he got addicted to drugs but it was to study and he and this is behind the scenes they had him get really addicted to drugs for a full year as um, but it was to get it, shit done but it was like <laughs> how else was he going to do this and film Back to the Future at the same time? Yeah, that was like in a different country. Uppers. That was, yeah, yeah. Like, God. The, yeah, this was the 80s America. Yeah, this wasn't just to feel good. Right. This was just to get... <laughs> to be, get by. Yeah, just to get things done. And that shows that he is addicted this whole... No, that's not true. Imagine if the Back to the Future... I mean, if Michael J. Fox Foundation like came after us for like saying that he was on drugs. Honestly, that's the best part. No, that's not the best part about him. There's so much that's good about him. I've read two of his three memoirs. I've read, I, I read my wife, uh, Meryl, she, he came to talk at her ad agency and they gave out his, um, like book for graduates. Oh yeah. And which is just one of those, it's like a funny thing happened on the way to the future. And it's just one of those little books that, you know, people sometimes are like throwaways, but I was like, I like I read it on the toilet and I loved it. Like, yeah. he's just got, such an inspiring person. He, there, I think the first one is called Lucky Man. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's you can tell as devastating as this disease is. It's like he's like, uh, it absolutely gave purpose to my life and made me a better person. And he's raised millions and millions yeah. and millions of dollars. And my brother is a brain surgeon. Oh yeah! Uh, shout out! Shout out! <laughs> shout out to the brain surgeons, but like that, what the Michael J. Fox Foundation has done for Parkinson's is, yeah, I, I feel like I've said the word astounding like twenty times. <laughs> but he is in this, I, and oh, and so nice. Like that was the that was the crazy part about it was, and you can always tell the mood on a set, right? Like, pe- certain people said it, and it. I mean, the crew was phenomenal. They were the 30 Rock crew, but it was from the top down just... Can I just tell a really... I would really love to hear a story. A heartwarming story. Yes. So like I said, I was just there for like seven or eight of the final weeks there. I've just brought in... That's a two time. months. That's a summer camp right it there, was, seven or eight weeks. It was it was a delight, and the everyone was so nice and funny and cool. So real juicy stories. No, not... Hell yeah. <laughs> no, but the this what I felt was emblematic of uh, the experience there was it was the final day of filming. And so it was crew lunch. And, uh, you know, it was really nice of like speeches and stuff. And I guess there'd been uh, a, a swear jar sort of thing on the set because there was a, like a young kid. Oh, okay, gotcha. So and he, he had a cursing problem, and they're like, <laughs> yes. So every time the kid cursed, they would dock his pay, uh, and then the money was going to the foundation. Like, and so the kid got to present like whatever, like six hundred dollars to foundation, and it was really adorable, really sweet. Um, and then uh, the last days of most sets, there'll be what's called like a five dollar um, foot long. <laughs> <laughs> They're just party subs. It's fucking. This is Hollywood, man. Party subs. Hell yeah, you can get that avocado. It's a dollar extra. Oh, uh, it was. It, it's either called like a five dollar box or a ten dollar box. I think this one is a ten dollar one where everybody puts in. It's like a. It's like a lottery. You put in a ten dollar bill and you put your name on it, or else people will give money to the crew, like ten dollar bills to the crew, and they'll put their names mm-hmm. on it, and then somebody's name gets drawn and they get, you know, a bunch of cash. Right. And so there was maybe, I want to say there was like two grand in the box. Wow, that's a hunk of change. Totally, totally. It's significant. And it's like the big treat. And so Michael pulled the name and it was one of the grips, you know, and everybody's like applauding. And he was like, I don't know, early 50s, like total, exactly what you imagine when you think of like, 
a union mm-hmm. teamster mm-hmm. guy, Pete. And uh, chiseled body, <laughs> <laughs> chiseled body, jorts. Um, they actually do have they're yeah, really they, strong. They're working hard. Yeah, they got. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're picking up stuff and yeah. doing stuff. Honestly, everybody on that set, including Michael, could do physical things <laughs> that none of us in the writers' room could. Um, except, yes, so he came up to collect it, and he just handed it back to Michael and went for the foundation. And everybody was on their feet crying. Oh, that's so sweet. It was amazing. And but like I said, this was like a you know, fucking blue collar guy and he was like, Whatever. Like wouldn't yeah. like, like wouldn't acknowledge anybody. Like and at the end you could see like all the teamsters being like, Good move, Pete and he's like, well, whatever, whatever. And it was it was like that to me was that was that show. That's so great. Can I tell you my one Michael J. Fox story? Yeah. That is I I feel Sort of not bad about it, but I love Michael J. Fox. I love the Back to the Future movies, especially. And I've like, that's like one of those people that you'd always want to meet growing up or whatever, and that I legit nerd out about. So I was watching the New York Marathon and with uh, a bunch of friends, uh, and like down the block was Michael J. Fox with the foundation and they were high-fiving everybody who was wearing a Michael J. Fox foundation shirt who was obviously running for the cause. And I was like, I don't know if I'll ever get a chance to like see or meet this guy ever, except for I'm literally down the block and I beat myself up if I did do anything. But at the same time, he's literally doing this for the foundation. I felt awkward about it. So I like sheepishly went up and he was nice enough to take a picture with me, but I lit, I felt so bad. Like I, not because he wasn't, he was really nice about it, but I was like, am I a loser for doing this? You know what I mean? Like not, but may I, uh, I, I, I'll open up the invitation to you. I'm going to run for the foundation this year. So, so you can get me in with him yes, and I can totally, spend all... Yeah. Oh, thank you. That's so sweet of you. That's so nice. So you'll get me in like to meet with him and yes, spend like totally. half an hour. Just like pitch a show or whatever. That's great because I do have ideas. Like I do think uh, Back to the Future 4 is sort of out of the question, but I, that, that doesn't mean that there can't be like web shorts or something that has uh, something to do with in the world of Back to the Future. And like been, obviously yeah. he should get involved. Webisodes. Web-isodes. Oh, that's a weight off my chest. <laughs> thank you so much. Um, can I tell you a cute Michael J. Fox uh, marathon story yes. that he told somewhere was so yeah the foundation they raise a ton of money through that and I guess there's a, a runner who's has Parkinson's who's done it like I don't know 16 years in a row or something which is insane that's amazing yeah and so Michael was like you know what man I'm gonna run the last 5k with you it's 3.1 miles which is and he also I think lives right around there yes, like he's, yeah that's, that's what I assumed was yeah. that's where his pad was um so uh he like trained for it for months and stuff for his 5k. And then like it got to the time where the guy went by and Michael was to join him. But Michael's been like training for this. And this is, this guy has just done 23.1 miles. And right. so he was like, come on, man. And so he was sort of like not quite willing to slow down for oh. his. <laughs> so it's just like, see ya. Yeah. I think they did run in, but I think he made the run a lot harder for his partner. <laughs> God, well, he's such a selfish asshole. Yeah, but he's truly a beast. Yeah, he's a bad person. I've only heard negative things about him. Yeah. But we love him here at this podcast. Oh, my gosh. Um, so we're going to watch an episode of Family Ties, which this is an episode called Not an Affair to Remember. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, and I don't know if it holds up at all. I've only seen the episode once, and I think it, I saw it when it first came on, which was 22 years ago. I, no, 32 I think it years was, ago. No, this was, it started in eighty. Two, so this is probably eighty three or, or eighty three or eighty four, something like that. Uh, and I, it just dealt with subject matter that was very upsetting to me. Okay, so this inf- this um, hit you hard when you saw it. Yeah, it's like one of those episodes that stuck with you. Yeah, since yeah, and have you you haven't seen it since that no. first airing? No. Is there anything particular that you remember that upset you before we watch it that I we mean, can look out I, for? I mean, it was. Yeah, it was that he almost had an affair. The Stephen, the yeah, father, the yeah. father. God, that is like it was horrifying. I realized that every because I, I pitched you. I mean, you you mentioned. Yeah, I feel bad even really? saying bad, that the other ones aren't. I wasn't. Able it to was get just the one other one, right? But I, I realized that like all of it, every episode that popped to mind, I should mm-hmm. say, had to do with cheating. 
Whoa, that's right, because you mentioned a Sopranos episode called Whitecaps, which is <laughs> sort of the season four finale of The Sopranos that's sort of, wow, it's heavy, and yeah. a lot of stuff is happening with Carmela. And, uh, it's the big fight that breaks it up. Yeah, and Tony Soprano. But the other thing I mentioned, and the first one that came to mind was right. America's Next Top Model. That's true, right. Season two, Shandy. And that's uh, the girl who cheated? Yeah, and, and they go to Italy. It's a very sexy episode, and in fact, uh, it aired about a week after the Janet Jackson... Nipple slip? Nipple slip. Ooh, J. J Tim's Uh, Super Bowl. Yeah, and I had just started working uh, in TV then. I was Mm. on Man TV, and we immediately felt the ramifications. Like, it became so much more intense, what you could do. Whoa, because was the Super Bowl on Fox? No, it was everybody felt it. Really? That's yeah. so crazy. I think it was on CBS that year, but everybody felt it. It got and in fact everybody felt it to the point that like we had somebody the accountant knew somebody who was on America's Next Top Model, like it was an editor or something. And in fact this episode uh would would have aired a little bit more sexy stuff in it if uh Ooh. Yeah, because there's like straight up sex that happens in it. God well, now I wish I could have gotten that because <laughs> I like sexy stuff <laughs> but, involving top models. I know, but it, but it uh, anyway, and cheating, and for anybody who's a next top model fan, the immortal why? Uh, or some, no, that no fuck, I just made it up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, her her boyfriend just shouts into the phone, and it's just the most like guttural heartrending cry that sounds amazing i i think when i searched for it there was that youtube clip was it of that. Like, you I cheated? something like Just, that oh so naked. wow so we're gonna watch the family ties and then we're gonna get to the bottom of this we're gonna get to the bottom of the steven uh, potential steven uh, cheat yeah and uh and we're gonna get into it okay. family ties style okay so cool. let's watch not an affair to remember are you attracted to me very much. Well, then come home with me. We'll forget about everything and everybody else in the world just for a few hours. You and I will be the only two people. Nobody ever has to know. Come home with me, Stephen. I have a home, Stacy. It means a lot to me. I don't want to risk losing it. I promise you we won't get caught. I'm not worried. I'm not worried about getting caught. I'm worried about violating the core of love and trust I've built my life around. But getting caught's not good either. <laughs> Stephen. All I want to do is share a moment with you. A beautiful moment, one that we can both file away and keep forever. It's got a nice ring to it. Just think of it this way. We work together, laugh together, share a lot. If we share a bed too, why is that so different? For one thing, we'll be lying down. Well, not necessarily. All right, we just watched Family Ties, not an affair to remember. Yeah, I am affected. Yeah, that was really, I mean, I don't know. It just, it totally, I mean, I didn't see it when it aired, no, but I felt it like held it up. held up really well. I feel, I feel like I was able to find things funnier in it than mm-hmm. I did the first time around. Because, so we saw like, I think the first act ends with like him and his, the PA, Stacy. Have, sharing a kiss, right? So he, Steve, I forgot his his job is working at a television station. It's, I think it's a PBS public, station, a public television station, and he's working on a Calvin Coolidge like mini documentary yeah. or something called uh, Silent Cal opens up. <laughs> yes, and um, Calvin Coolidge jokes, and that's how the show started. <laughs> that was the cold open. Yeah, it was, was really Calvin <laughs> Coolidge jokes? A, yeah, like a run of Calvin Coolidge yeah. jokes. With uh, his partner or his uh, co-worker, Gus. Producer or something, Gus, who we were just talking about, looked up. His name is John Hancock, and he was great in this. Just terrific. And died a little too young for my taste. Not for mine. <laughs> Not, no, yeah. no, no, no. You love people when they die at 52. <laughs> Oof, Isn't he was sad? great. It's super sad. He was really good. So they work together, and then the assistant or the intern or... She's, he called her his production assistant. Right. And she's played by Judith Light, yeah. who's played Angela. No, yeah. Yeah. Angela in Who's the Boss. And 
it's confusing because her hair is exactly the same as from Who's the Boss, but I think Who's the Boss was maybe 10 years later. I'd say like six or seven. Yeah, late 80s to early 90s, but everybody in the 80s always looks older. Me so too. when they were like, she's the young, hottest, it's not that she wasn't pretty, but like, you yeah, don't no, think, you think of her like as a woman. A, she's like a mom. Like, yeah. she's like, you know, like a, a grown ass woman. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't feel like, because part of it too that's mentioned is like, this might be a little bit of his midlife crisis. He's 39, which also blew my mind where I was like, wait, he's not even 40. Yeah, they made a joke that she finds you're, nobody, a man can't be fully handsome until they reach 40. And he says, well, I'm about to turn 40. So, yeah, yeah which is, I think it's also maybe the 80s or maybe that we grew up thinking of them yes, as totally. parents that yes. they just feel forever older. Yes. You know? I mean, I have to say, even Michael J. Fox to me looks older than that. Yeah. In, well, he must have been. Field. He must have been 17. Yeah. Or no, he was, I think he was, he was playing, probably older. Playing but he was 17. playing 17. Um, but Judith Light is this hot toddy. <laughs> and they. It's funny because they put it right out there like yeah. the in the first couple of scenes he's t- they're t- she's touching him she's very flirty and uh gus is sort of pointing this out to yeah, steve he's and, counting how many times she touches him which was uh 13 and then four and a half and a kiss yeah, I yeah. Think she oh, kissed him on the cheek yeah which is in our day and age sexual harassment uh, the whole thing was sexual harassment the whole thing was but it was interesting again because she was an underling right but she was also a woman. Mm-hmm. Like, I found that really interesting, too. Like, they, they didn't play it like, here's, like, a young, naive, right. 20-something-year-old. Maybe, maybe this will happen. It's sort of cute and a little bit innocent. Or, like, yeah, they no. sort of fall into it. She is... She's putting it out there. She, look, like, nothing. this has, doesn't have to mean anything. Yes. No strings. Let's just share a moment. The, the, th- the, the argument that I found most uh alarming slash effective was if your love for your wife and your family is so strong then why in the world would just a moment that we share affect it at all yeah it's pretty pretty heavy like and i don't know i mean or, or like it i don't know i don't watch as many traditional sitcoms now but I feel like the way this is done is like pretty dramatic for what it like. It's right out there. It's it, it's not like shallow. Like they go a little bit deeper with the idea. Absolutely, because for him, it's like you know there and there's jokes too about like yes. well you know it's not about being caught. Although haha, being caught it would be nice to not be caught. But right. uh, <laughs> this is about who I am as a person. Like the conversation that he has with Meredith Baxter at the end of like the you know the trust at the foundation of our relationship and right so so basically uh judith light's character stacy is like i'm gonna be working late to oh and this was the other thing gus sort of gus is like you're dressed up special today to steve because he does he's and he uh the first time he goes home after flirting he's very out in the not out in the open but he's uh it's obviously he's feeling he's guilty. on edge he's, he's on, on edge he's, he's on edge yeah, you're right. He is out in the open because she's like, "Well, how was your day?" And he's like, oh, "No, I didn't flirt." I mean, yeah, exactly. It's kind of sitcom. It's but very sitcommy, but I guess it's the way to get it out there. And but obviously, that would be extremely concerning if you're the wife of a man being like, "I wasn't flirting with anyone today." Yeah. But so, uh, and then the next day, he dresses up nicely. He coordinates his outfit, which is very funny. And then uh, Gus is like. Uh, Stacy comes in, says, I did some work for the Calvin Coolidge thing. They're saying how great it is. And then Gus is like, why don't you take over? And I said that he was enabling and you thought he was even putting it like challenge. I think think it was a little bit like uh, as somebody who's had to be around people who are flirting where it's like, fuck you. Like he'd Mm -hmm. already been like this. I don't like this Coolidge documentary. This isn't my speed. So I think that was already out there. I think. He'd already had to be subjected to all the touching and stuff. Right. And now that Steven's dressing up. And I think part of it's like, sometimes you feel like you're, have you ever been around people who are inappropriately flirting with each other? And you feel like I'm only in this room so that you can have a chaperone to make it right. safe. Mm-hmm. And fuck you. Right. I felt wow. like there was a layer of that to it of like, Hey, she should, she did do good work. She should be on it. Right. Right. And right. be like, I don't want to be a party of this anymore. I don't want us to all, I don't know. But isn't he – I think that's true. But if he was a, a friend of of, of Steve, 
Steven. I mean, Steven. <laughs> Steve. oh, he calls him Steve. <laughs> yeah, there's so if he's such a close friend that he calls him Steve, yeah, yeah. then I mean, maybe I'm not saying it's on him to stop it from happening, but, but I'm, and I'm not saying that, but that's like, that's pretty heavy too, to be like, I'm leaving you too. I know you and I know that you have a family, but like, I don't know. I guess it's a weird, weird territory to be in, in general. Well, I think, you know, also like if the wife isn't going to be like, no, I forbid you from going to work right, late that's with true. her. I think part of it was, look, she's doing all this work. She should be in charge of it. Right. I don't know. I was kind of with him when he did that. Like, as a child, I think I found it very upsetting. Right, right, right. I, like I said, I'm still this... maybe emotionally a child. <laughs> so I'm, I'm upset by it. <laughs> but I, I, no, I mean, I, like I said, I, I remember watching this episode and being very upset, and at the end, not feeling resolved at all because like, we they they did kiss. Right. So yeah. So that's the thing is the first commercial. Maybe the first commercial break starts with them kissing, and it's it doesn't end on a joke. It ends on them kissing, and it goes to black, and then it comes back him returning to and home. It's, yeah, she, like she kisses him once, and he pushes her away, and then there's this talk about like, you know, like look, I'm putting this out there, and da 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 da, and then the, she kisses him again, and he doesn't push her away. He just you just sort of see his arm like slowly go right. up, and you're like, is he gonna put his arm on her back or? But he doesn't push her away, and then, I mean. It's, it's. In, I feel it's, like if, uh, yeah, it, it, especially for like, I, I feel like a sitcom is like a television family that you're like part of, you know, in a way. So when you see it, it's yeah. I can imagine being disturbed by this as a kid for sure. And I can also see like I don't know that you know TV dads nowadays would the actors would be cool with that. There's, or, or even that network would be like, uh, it makes them really unlikable. Yeah. But what's, and what's interesting is the way it's resolved is she goes back to work late night with her. She puts it on pretty and, thick. And yeah, she says, I'm going to be working really late. And then, but before he goes, he like goes to the family and he's like, anybody want to hang out with me? And he's like desperate to hang out. Right. To- and he, and that's where I felt was interesting was he was like, Please, somebody save me from this. Yes. And nobody answered the call. Uh, Although Meredith, her name, Elise. Elise. She heard the call. That was interesting where she was that's, like. It is interesting because she already knew. Okay. Because he said to her um, the flirting thing. And then, he, and then he asked everybody in the house, will you hang out with me? He goes, well, then maybe I'll go back to work. And he's like, oh, I thought... She said, I thought Gus was taking care of it. And he goes, no, it's Stacy. I think you met her, but he's obviously super awkward about it. Yeah, and she totally... You see that she does. She it, like, it, she totally reads into bright. it. She puts it together. And and he's like, well, so maybe I'll go. And she's like, okay. She she goes, yeah, yeah. if you think you have to. Yeah. Then go. And she's so good. I mean, that's the thing, too, is everybody there is such a good they're actor. They're pros. Total and they're pros. they're also really good at acting in... Uh, there's something very theatrical in it, but theatrical in the best possible way of like taking those moments. And we were even just talking about the blocking. The, yeah, the blocking was really good. You pointed that out. Where like, oh, the stage pictures felt very natural and very, I was like, I feel like that's why multicams don't, I don't know that it's as dynamic. Well, yeah. And, and I feel like uh, in the 80s and 90s, there were like TV directors that were known for Absolutely. specifically being directors of the staged like three camera style and i feel like i maybe i'm wrong but i don't know if they're like james burroughs is that one of them uh who did cheers yeah like that that was part of the whole equation which i feel like maybe as a viewer i don't think of stuff like that as much we were only on two sets that whole episode that's true and it didn't feel like that at all feel closed in at all and it didn't feel artificial at all where the kids were like they really would use the areas of the kitchen yes totally yeah, there was I a lot. I just realized that now. We were only on two sets. That's totally the true. And his, and even his workplace was just one big. Yeah, just room. one big room. Um, yeah, that is impressive. But and and I think it's like when she's talking to him and she lets him go. It's like one of those moments where it leaves the like as an audience member. You're it's sort of you're. I don't know if you're thrown off, but it's like she's putting the decision on him, and I feel like that that's more um like challenging for viewers than like now i think now it'd be maybe a little more clean and like 
there'd be a game to it or something. In in this, it's like, uh, yeah, you, maybe you should go. And then when they discuss it later, when he doesn't cheat on his wife and he comes back to Elise, she says, like, I... He's like, why didn't you stop me? And she was like, because I trust you, and that's part of our relationship. Yeah, that's, that's what, what our, relationship our relationship is founded on. Is if, built on. And if, I mean, she didn't say this part, but I think her point was like, if if I need to stop you in order for you not to cheat on me, that that's not a relationship, right? I was like, that's a jailkeeper, right? She didn't say that, but I think that's what was also, again, as a child, really upsetting to me was like. I'm a really jealous person and always have been. And like, I remember even being five and like, you know, there was like a Purim thing. Maybe it wasn't even five. Maybe it was even before that. But there was like a Purim thing. We were in Israel at the time and was on Purim. Like you boys would give girls candy and vice versa. And I just remember keeping track of who got, you know, and like this girl gave candy to the boy I like, but he gave candy to the girl. You know what I mean? Like I just... Yeah, you you can you were. I was always I've always been keeping track of what's going right, on, yeah. and so the fact that that you can have what always looked to me as the most beautiful, glory, glorious relationship, you know, and that she sees he's tempted, right, and that he could be tempted. But didn't he? Didn't she deal with it in the? I guess sort of the most perfect way that you could. Oh, like they are complete, the perfect. Oh, absolutely. Like because at the end. You're like, wow, they have as strong of a marriage as you possibly can, maybe? Like, yeah, but I like, think that's also what was, was upsetting to me, was even with that strong... She had a rough night. Like, yeah. she was at home and freaking out, and she had to... That she had to go through that, like, that it's not always... And even that though he nothing, did kiss her. It's like he did. Uh, he was tempted. But you know what? She didn't tip that she was... You know, you know what? When she licked the spoon, when she was, she was making hot cocoa... Um, which was some nice stage business. Yeah. And then when she was like, and that was really well done how they did that too, because she, uh, he was like, um, there was this sort of cute thing where he was like, you know what I was thinking about on the way home? How many times we've stayed up all night with our kids who have the flu? And it's like, can you guess how many? He said, how, can you guess how many times? She said 17. And he's like, wow, that's right. You read my mind. She's like, yeah, I guess I always know what you're thinking. And he's like, what are you thinking now? And they sort of bring out the whole thing by her Super sort of saying organically, it. yeah. Really nicely, really well written. And then at the end, she sort of timidly says, like, and you're thinking, you know, I don't remember no exactly what it was that, like, that you were tempted. Or he, she yeah. sort of lays out the situation of um, what was happening at yeah, work. Yeah, that you... That how much you appreciate what we have, and even though you could be tempted, you're afraid to leave that. It, and she's sort of saying, and she's like, look, the way I, she licks the spoon is like she's sort of nervous about how he's going to respond and stuff. Yeah, there's so many layers. Like yeah. even how he comes in and he just how he leaves when he goes to the station and he, that was really funny. It's yeah. funny and upsetting and at the upsetting, same. Yeah, because he's he basically says to all of them like, "I love you. Yeah, take care of like to Michael uh, Alex speaking like, "I love you. Take care of the kids yeah, or whatever." You're the man of the house while I'm gone. Basically saying if I ruin this marriage right yeah. now like this is how it should all work out yeah and then when he comes back it's a it's actually really sweet too like the acting even with the kids like they have a sincere moment even in the return yeah and yeah and that he's in such a good mood at the beginning of that scene with elise where she's making the milk where he's like you know like he's feeling so appreciative and grateful yes. of the relationship and that she's like yep uh-huh like that she'd just been through night of like right. pain. Yeah, wow. Pain and worry. And that she's not berating him because, again, they have the perfect relationship. And like, how the fuck could you put me through that? How the fuck could you even be tempted? And don't you think I know what you were to work today? Don't you fuck it. You know what I yeah, mean? And like, yeah. that was part of it, too, where I'm like, I can't imagine not being furious. Yeah, no, absolutely. They're the perfect. Like, <sighs> it, it is. Uh, wow. She but rose to the occasion there, sort of. She did. But here's what's funny. Well, I, that that happened season two. Season two. Yeah. First uh, half of the season. And I never forgot that. And I don't know that I ever quite forgave him no, for it. Sort of interesting, too, that you say that is in the episode. He says, 
Remember when I turned to you and was like, TV, because he said, like, I, when he's oh, describing yeah. to Judith Light why he shouldn't cheat, he's like, I didn't, my life isn't a series of episodes. Unrelated that, episodes. Unrelated episodes. Uh, so if I did this, I couldn't ever forget it. But you didn't forget it. And it's because this show isn't just a series of episodes. Yeah. I guess, even though it really is, but uh, but they were related but episodes. They, there were consequences. There were, yeah, exactly. Like it's funny that that sort of did color how you watch the show from then on. Imagine if he had, like, I wonder, has a TV show ever, like, a traditional sitcom ever had something like a cheating yeah, thing? That I would think be mad about you. I didn't. I wasn't watching by that point, mm-hmm. but I think there might have been one where he had an affair or were seriously tempted to have an affair towards the end. And I, I need to look into that. Because yeah, I know yeah, I somebody wonder. who worked on it and uh, they wanted out. Uh, and they were, I remember them saying like that Paul Reiser was talking for a while about like wanting to handle what would an affair be like. I don't know. I don't know that I Yeah, could. I think it would be really hard. I mean, because also when a great, uh, a good percentage of your audience is kids, like that would be super upset. I mean, as we like, this was upsetting. Imagine if that happened, if it, they went through with it. That would be like. Oh, horrifying. Mess you up. Because it also. Yeah, it make the, the kid. Yeah, it would. But at the same time, that's life. life. That's life. Wow. Yeah, I don't know. It's really impressive watching this. Like, I, I do think I it totally... I did would hold up as well as it did. I, I, the I, acting was great. That guy, Gus, John Hancock. Shout out for John Hancock. R.I.P. And then the kids the kids had... They were like the B story, and they just yeah. had this sort of cute, fun thing about using the phone. Yeah, that was but there. I was like, Mallory did a great... Like, there were different levels with how she played. Like, she was on these all these dumb, like conversations about what did she wear after she changed out of that outfit right yes but she brought like an emotional like outrage to it like i was impressed with it it was good and as you said like with the staging it didn't feel like it was just like done really well and this had apart from uh, one of my favorite things was watching uh, tv is when you see in the episode a moment that's used in the um, opening, in the opening, which you pointed out, which... there were a couple of them because I think the one where they're sitting, the, first of all, of course, the overflowing pasta pot. Yes, that was overflowing pasta pot. But I feel like also the scene where they're sort of gathered around the chart, the wheel. Oh right, I right, feel right. Like that, that might, might also be in the credits. Imagine if there was a full episode that was just about them getting the painting done of oh from the God. opening. It was just them at a Kmart or whatever, wherever they have those paintings done and is growing pains does it also have either painting or black and white the growing pains thing was that drawing? it was photos of them sort of growing up i think that's that that's what it was like they'd have the baby picture and then uh like kirk cameron as a baby and okay. then like him as a little kid and then him like now and then they continued that going but it did feel like you you said that it, they did it, but not as well. Yeah. And Growing Pains definitely, and I've watched for this podcast uh, an episode of Growing Pains. Oh, yeah. Not as, it's still interesting, but not as like, I don't know, this was totally enjoyable and like interesting and like the story, and maybe it was just the episode that I watched of Growing Pains, but it didn't feel like as uh I, I remember great. Growing Pains having, it, there, there wasn't a depth yeah. there to it. I remember as a kid feeling like that. And I remember like they were soup, like Michael J. Fox's ascendancy was a shock to everybody mm-hmm. on that show. Like it was, this was still when like grownups were the stars. Right. Totally. And so it eventually became, but I feel like with growing pains, they were already like, you know, Kirk Cameron, they were positioning him to. Right. Yeah. I feel like maybe it was more of a, a formula by that point in terms of sitcoms. Yeah. And it was also even like how the family looked was. Yeah. And Alan Thicke has just a, you know, he's very good, but there is a smugness to him. Well, that, once you're, hey, if you're writing the theme song to your own TV show, yeah. that there's, you're, you're like, hey, I'm a, I'm a triple threat. Look at me. You're like, I'm a triple paycheck. Look yeah. at me. Yeah. That makes so every time you hear that theme song, that is some more money in the. How come Robin Thicke hasn't sampled that in a song? Maybe he doesn't want to pay his dog, uh, his dog, his dad, <laughs> his well, <laughs> his dog of a dad, his dog of a dad. I, well, that would mean they also there was so much um, shit surrounding that show, like with the kids of like Kirk Cameron had that he, it, he 
got very big very fast like that whole tiger bee and right right things got really ugly for him and then and then he went super christian he went super christian and was one of the the girl girls had uh tracy really Gold. bad eating disorder yeah she had an eating disorder then that was a big thing i remember and i remember reading about that and i even remember when i was watching the show like there would be like little fat jokes in it Ooh. which is like just imagining a room Ugh. full of like grown men writers because let's face it they almost, absolutely yeah. were and they've probably been this is probably the 50th sitcom they've been on yeah. at this point and they're like but just f- like making Ugh. fat jokes about a 16 year old girl who she had the thing of like tiny body big cheeks like that and that will drive especially a television person crazy because they'll just look at their face and be like you know she didn't have the Alyssa Milano face <sighs> gosh Where's she at? I hope she's she's alright now. I think she, I hope so too. Yeah. I feel like she got into, um, <laughs> she got into maybe writing those books about like obeying your husband and like the joy in the joy in obeying your husband. Yeah, seriously, wow, like that kind of like ugh, the joy of surrender. Great, that sounds awesome. Good for her. <laughs> that's really different. I, maybe it's. I think it's that. I honestly feel like it's that sort of seeking of order that people with eating disorders yeah. are like looking for. Boy, and she found it. I um. I, I also think she has cute kids. Oh, good. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> and Kirk Cameron did the movie Left Behind. Is that the he he's, did? He's done a bunch. He's done a bunch of. Uh, he he's yeah. That's sort of a, a I, bummer. You know. It is, there's also a part that's like, at least he's alive, man. You know, like, I remember watching it behind the, behind the music, but it was... Oh, the uh, E! True Hollywood Story? Yes, yes. Love me some E! True Hollywood Story. So good. So good. And I remember watching it for Growing Pains and being like, oh, he was on a collision course. Oh, wow. So, so he, God was his co-pilot. And he, the collision was averted <laughs> because God took reign of the pilot thing yeah and flew them off and then handed it over to some super fundamental christians <laughs> and then drove it into a different ravine right so now he makes these movies that are a little bit judgy mm-hmm. i'm just gonna say just a little bit judgy the great judgment the I'd great say. judgment yeah i'd say um if you had to come up with a uh drinking game for uh, uh family ties mm. In general, or using specifics from this episode, if somebody wanted to get crunk watching an affair to, an affair not to remember. Not an affair to remember. Not an affair, to, not an affair to not remember. <laughs> like, um, even that, just being like a call, you know, like a, a reference to an old movie, right? An affair to remember? Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah we're I both like, hey, I was like, I, I don't know that movie. Uh, um, what would it be? I'd say... Um, if you want to get crunk in the first minute or two, every time Judith Light touches uh, Michael, uh, I mean, sorry, Michael Gross, but Stephen, yeah, um, take a take a sip, take a drink. There, you will be super drunk though, in that su- one scene. But that, you know, what, that but that's that's, the, that's the point of a drinking game. That's point of a drinking game. There's also there there. I don't know if you'd get as crunk with this, but mm-hmm. the. Ladies with their eyes on the verge of tears, because mm. we had some of that with Judith, and we had some of that with uh, Meredith. Wait, was Judith near tears? Yeah. Wait, at which point? It was uh, when she was like, "Exactly the thing that makes you so attractive to me is what I love about you so much is exactly why I can never right. have you." Because he says, "My my family is the most important thing to yeah. me," and like living a life of integrity. I'd say if when when someone's on the verge of tears, you should drink, but you should also be on the verge of tears. Right, that's part of the. You game. should drink until you're on the verge of tears, <laughs> right. so you have to keep drinking. Keep drinking, and then I'd say anytime there's a physical comedy thing related to a phone cord, yeah, because that can't be done anymore. That's like uh, you know, like that comedy right there, because they have like a. a Mallory moving around the kitchen with a long cord and people have to go under it. It hits the Michael. longest uh, cord. Yeah. Hitting people's faces. The longest cord. Was the phone. Uh, I, I mean, I guess I remember that as a kid, like having to share the phone. But do oh, you remember yeah. that being a dramatic thing at all? Having to share a phone with family? Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Because I've I, there was one in the kitchen always. And then you had to go like I didn't have a phone in my room until I don't know college high school high school high school but 
so even that, like, what do you talk privacy in, into the hours uh, on phone? I don't. I feel like for uh, a guy, like I don't like talking on the phone, so maybe that wasn't part of my. I remember falling asleep with the phone. Really? Yeah. Talking to friends? Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. What would you talk about? It's fucking anything. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see that happening more with cell phones. I think partly because reception just gets bad, so you just get right. impatient with being like, "What?" Yeah, man. But I do remember. Yeah. Texts just aren't the same, huh? I'd fall asleep texting. No, I have not fallen asleep texting. That would just be the person would just think you're dead. It was also that age of like fifth or sixth grade where it was your friends were the most fascinating people on earth. I remember talking with my friend Claire and being like, why does sex take so long? Because we were just, (laughs) we knew like that it was like a dick and a vagina. Right. But it was like, what? You just put it in and then it's over. Like, right, that's the whole equation. Yeah, why? Why? What does was it, her answer? <laughs> it, I don't remember if she knew about there being like motions. <laughs> I know what's crazy in this episode too was that like the sex jokes with Judith Light were also like very adult. There was like one or two things where he was like, "Well, what's the difference between us?" Like she said, "What's the difference between like we spend all day together, we laugh at work, together, we, we do laugh. this? What's the difference between that and going home with me?" And she goes, "He goes, well, and." If we go home, we'll be lying down. And she goes, not necessarily. Or yeah. something like that. It's like, boy, oing, oing, oing. Yeah, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that he never like jumps away. That he's always, I mean, he plays it so well. But again, yeah. I don't know who has the courage as the likable TV dad now to play that. Yeah. And I don't think Alan Thicke could have gotten away with think, that. You yeah, know what I, I mean? I don't think Alan Thicke could do it. And I, I don't think that's in his character. Yeah, I don't. Because think- you feel like. Oh, no, I bet you're cheating on your wife all the time. <laughs> has, has Michael Gross been in a lot of other stuff? You know, he played um, Ted Mosby's dad on How I Met Your Mother. Ooh, good casting. Yeah, terrific casting. Oh, God, he's so good. He, he be... was good in that, too. He played, like, the divorced dad who's, like, trying to be young, and, like, him being sleazy is really funny. That's awesome. Maybe that's like what would have happened to his character in oh, Family Ties not. if he had if he had gone with Judith Light. He'd just become a sleaze bag. He had like a I want to say he had like a ponytail and like an ear. Oh, that's awesome! Just like in the maybe even like a fedora. Just like I feel like late having divorce. an earring in a in a TV show as a choice like can be the most like the best thing ever. I was talking recently about uh, to someone about in Sopranos how. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Buco, uh, who owns the restaurant. Uh, oh, Artie Buco. Artie Buco. When he is going through divorce, yes. and he's wearing the earring. That's such like a great indicator. Yes. That could be like corny or something if like attention was brought to yes, it. But it's, it's just, just such a nice like subtle thing of like midlife crisis. The, the earring is just awesome. And he's in love with uh, what's her name? Oh, uh, uh, Drea Matteo. Dre, yeah, um, uh, Christopher's, uh, Christopher, Christopher, and, uh, and uh, if we get in the accent, uh, maybe Dr- Andrea, right? Andrea? No, 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 that's no, her no. real name. Adriana. 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 Oh, uh, he's such a ding dong about her. He's so dumb. Oh God, I'm, I'm, uh, re- we were because one of the episodes that you were thinking of was Sopranos. I feel comfortable talking about Sopranos yeah. for a minute. But I'm rewatching it, and I'm just in it. So good, so good. It's remi- it reminds you how that show sort of restarted the TV renaissance because absolutely, like no, I don't know. You know, I also probably became more of a savvy TV watcher around that time, like or when I started watching it. But like, it's the best. Yeah. It's just like the gold standard. Yeah, in TV, a real sticking point with my dad to the point where. It really, it's gotten ridiculous how upset I got over it. Mm-hmm. And like, I just need to let it go now. I gave him the DVD to the first season of Sopranos maybe 10 years ago. He has yet to watch it. And it is, it, it got me to such a point of fury. Wow. Does he not like, like, he, does he like, like TVs and yes, movies? Yeah. Like he's watched all of the shields. Why hasn't he watched it? He said it's too dark, like physically dark. Like I think the one time he tried when he first got it. But I, honestly, I don't even know. Does like, he like The Godfather? Not that it's not that it's at all the same. I but, know, but 
like because it had the family drama and the 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 uh, obviously I know crime my mom family. Do, like she finds violence really hard, mm-hmm. so I can't. I don't have her on my side of right, like right, we'll right, watch right. it together. But he, when he works out, he'll watch. He's watching the entire West Wing for the second time right. now, and he'll mm-hmm. ask me for recommendations, and it just drives me bonkers. Whew. The Sopranos is so good. It's really good. It's really good, and I, it's rewatchable potential, which is Ugh. a saying I just made up or a term. But I is high. Yeah, I've I was rewatching it. I can't remember what season I got up to. I didn't get up to season four, but mm-hmm. but the levels, like actually, sort of remembering stuff. Yeah, made yeah, yeah. Totally. Actually, even better. It does. It totally does. I'm a I'm a fan. Yeah. Um, I know you're uh, what a big TV watcher. I'd assume from or you enjoy TV. Are there any other shows that you're into right now that you the think Americans. people should check out? I'm watching. I watch uh, the Americans too. I haven't talked about. I don't know if I've talked about it on this podcast or I've mentioned on the podcast maybe that I watched it. I really enjoy it. Yes. I'm going to say this though that the end of season two, I was a little disappointed in the finale ish type stuff. And I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't watched it because I feel like that's a show. That's a sleeper show. Does that seem like maybe a sleeper show? Yeah, that people are going to catch up that to. That people it. are going to catch up to. And catch I'm glad I've it. been tipped off early. It's really enjoyable. Yeah, me too. And I will say this like, I thought Homeland had a perfect season one. First season, perfect. And then, and then how can you sustain season it? two kind of went a little off the rails for me to the point where I never watched season three. Yeah, and same, same with Downton Abbey. Downton Abbey, we're, perfect we're season very one. similar TV watchers. But the Americans, I thought, I mean, even with whatever, with the finale, mm. which I thought there was a lot that worked. Yes. Mm-hmm. A lot that worked. I still think season two is fantastic. It is great. It and is in great. In many ways, that... The op- the thing that happens in episode one of season two. Oh my god! Yeah, there's, uh, uh, yeah. I wish people more people would watch it because I don't I feel like yeah. I don't people. feel like that, but I feel like we talked about it after a show once yes. on the subway. By the way, that is that's a credit you didn't mention was we're on the law firm together. The law firm together UCB. every Friday night ten thirty. We're rocking it, <laughs> and it's uh, it's fast fun improv and it's we- really. Yeah, I'm really like I, I was just talking about this with somebody. Can I get into improv a little sure, bit? Sure, I've got into Upper East Side, but uh, we had a show. I, I was out of town for this most recent show. Right, right, right. I feel like we always have really fun, good shows. Always, yeah. But there was a show that we did a week and a half ago mm-hmm. uh, that was so surreal and weird. Oh my and god, it was really and fun, playful, yeah. and uh, and we walked off stage and. You were like, that was a law firm, yes, law firm. And I was like, oh, I get it. Because, you know, I've been improvising a long time. And, yeah. like, different teams, I mean, there's things where, at a certain point when you improvise, where you get to improvise in different shows, and it's sort of a rotating cast. Right, but right, then, right. then, like, joining a team again. Like, I haven't been on a team for a few wow, years. yeah. Where I was like, oh, I finally felt like I was part of this organism. Yeah, well, I feel like, because I've been now on the law firm for, or, for probably, like, four years at this point, and, like... It's always the most fun. I love it. It's, I think, the, my favorite. Outside of, like, my college improv group, which, you know, like, is the best thing ever, you know, looking back on nostalgia-wise. But in terms of just, like, fun shows, the law firm is the best. And when I feel like we're at our best when it's just controlled chaos, like, crazy, heightened, like, absurdity that we are all totally on board. Because in that, it's hard to talk about improv too yeah. much for people. Who, but, like... When it gets to the level where like there's a God is a character and God is has his own God, yeah, the God that God prays to still <laughs> kills me. And while that's happening, like there's a giant, vagina, like a twenty five foot vagina in the woods that people are getting sucked into. But the, and that is a portal, a portal vagina, a time portal. Like that is, and then there's the <laughs> vagina that the vagina goes into as its own portal, its right. own time portal. Yeah, it. <laughs> And my favorite part of that show is afterwards, uh, this guy came up to a couple of us and he's never seen an improv show before. Wow. And then I remembered, oh, that's right. When I introduced the show, I was like, how many people? It, it turned out at least 50 people had never seen improv yeah. before. And that that's the very first improv show that they saw makes me laugh. That's awesome. That's like, 
that makes me really happy. <laughs> right? But I, so the one thing that I really loved from that show, and again, I've been doing improv like 20 years. I love, obviously love the form and sure. I love all that. But what I love is the group. Like what you accomplish in a group is so much bigger yes. than what you can do, what I could do alone. Totally. And I think that, yeah, like there was just times in that show where it was like, oh, we were a group. We yeah. were, it was its own thing and the beautiful improv thing is that like you could never ever in a million years try to write that together it could never happen except for in that moment that it would get there and it yeah that's uh except for talking about it on a podcast yeah and then and then then the audience is like what how did they get to this point in this conversation about improv that it got so and that's the beauty of improv well again it's yeah it's one of those things where oh, I, it just made me think again about watching this show and being like, oh, that staging where Michael J. Fox just sort of like perches himself on a counter and he's yeah. behind. Like there were so many people there in tune with what looks good. And I'm worried that like we're losing that a little bit uh, in TV. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that it's interesting, too, because when you said that the, the staging was um, Elise has her architect's uh, table in the kitchen, yeah. which is also interesting. And uh, Michael J. Fox is like putting his feet up on the island and his butt on another counter. So he's sort of behind her. And not only is it great staging, but it also reminds me of like, I remember in our old kitchen, there would be like, we had an island and we'd like sit on it. Or like, I remember sitting on the ground sometimes and putting our feet on the heater. Like when you're at your home, you do find yes. like these interesting, like, places to be yes and and i think that that's not something that you'd really it captures a feeling more than something that you could really articulate even how she put together her hot cocoa was like half of the ingredients were already on the stove like they keep the hot cocoa by the stove and they don't keep it in a drawer and it was just like it just added to this feeling of intimacy and i was really impressed i i enjoy that i'd say i'd tell the listeners to listen to watch that episode I, or just listen to it just listen to it. just download it would be hard but you get a it's a program called screen grabs <laughs> and you can uh you you can get the full video on netflix and then you could just download the mp3 and you don't even need to watch it that would be oh the most that would be the most <laughs> the hardest thing to set up i used to do that really yeah not because like i didn't want to watch tv but because like we had one tv and then like a little black and white tv in the kitchen that we were, the, the, I'm sure we found in the alley. And so it was brought inside. Like an alley TV. An alley TV. But um, I there was a radio that it could get frequencies of TVs. Whoa. I don't know why we had it. It was maybe like one of those free giveaway things. But it, it was specifically like... Ha- it, had, it had FM, AM, and then I don't remember if it was like a different part of the AM dial that you could also then get like a couple of the networks. And I was always like stuck in my room doing homework and not allowed to watch TV until everything was done. And so sometimes I would just listen to TV That's while cool. I was doing my homework. That's probably... It's the I, saddest. No, but isn't that probably one of the reasons that you're a really good writer is that you listen to a ton of TV? Uh, I don't know. I, I'm going to say yes. All right, all right, all right. I'm going to pin that it's, on you. It's and also just why I have to listen to TV while I write. I used <laughs> to do all my homework with the TV on and... Yeah, just I, yeah, I don't was think, not allowed. I think I probably just got away with it. I don't know. I don't know if that was known, but I would sort of constantly have. And while I was getting ready for school every day, reruns of like Family Ties, Saved by the Bell, every whatever was did you on have it. A TV in your room? I did. I think my brother had a TV in his room, so I but, think probably maybe I just our parents let us have that. Uh, I thought you were going to be like, and then I caught my dad cheating. And I was like, if I catch my dad, he worked at a public television station (laughs) and he was really like weird this one night. (laughs) And then he came back and he gave us all gifts. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm, I wonder what that was about. I used to sneak listening to talk radio. So I had radio all the time. So that, and that's like the, I mean, I mean, not that it's the same thing. I guess you can pay more. You can do work better with me. No, it really, I really couldn't. I really could. Like I would, I was sneaking it. Yeah. I think now if I listen to it, I, when I'm doing real work, I can't have you a can podcast. You can listen to Stern or, yeah. Yeah, or a podcast. Yeah. yeah. And this was basically what they were. 
the work ethic we have, guys. <laughs> this is where America is. Um, I thank you so much, Tammy, oh, for a delight. coming by, watching Family Ties, talking some Sopranos, and overall having a great uh, discussion. Is there anything that you want to plug or promote or anything? Um, I feel like we got in a good plug think, for that law firm. Yeah, show. check out Law Firm, and uh, it's fun. And uh, if you will describe full shows uh, in our new <laughs> podcast, <laughs> describe past improv it's, shows. It's that show. It's that law firm show. God. It, has that happened yet that there's an imp- there's a podcast that really just breaks down improv shows? Because that would be the most boring thing. There but- are improv podcasts, but... And... <laughs> I think they improvise on the podcast no. and then analyze what just happened in the improv. Because if you have an improv podcast where you do improv, like, okay, I can get that, potentially... There are, I'd say, that's doable. But if you're at all talking just shows about... that you didn't. It, it, it'd, just, it'd be like having a podcast where it's just strangers talking about dreams. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's you're just like, much... I don't have any... Don't tell me your dream unless I I'm in it. barely listen to my wife talk about dreams. I, it just... Stop it. All right, Meryl? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, love, I love her dreams very much. And they're very strange. Um, really? Do I love them? Do I love them? Are they really strange? Um, sometimes they are. I can't think of any off the top of my head. She's actually in the other room. We can get her on to describe dreams after we get off. But um, thank you so much, Tammy. My pleasure. Thank you. And um, I'd say to the audience, don't cheat on your spouses. Seriously, because life is not a series of unrelated episodes. But at the same time, let your spouse or significant other have the chance to cheat. Give them that chance. Give them that trust or else what do you have? Yeah. Hmm. On that note, (laughs) adios. Another thanks to Tammy Sager for stopping by and watching Family Ties, a very dramatic episode um, that uh, was totally stood the test of time and uh, dealt with some very serious things. And uh, if if your family, there's... uh, some potential flirting going on this maybe is a good thing to watch and you know, as a family and uh and see what discussions come of it uh thanks so much for listening if you're a fan leave a comment on itunes it really uh helps the show out uh you can tweet at me at it's that episode or uh leave a comment uh at it's that episode on facebook and thanks for just being a good old person a good old fan and a good old charlie brown We'll see you next week. Have a great night and an early manana. Adios, amigos. Sha-la-la-la.